prayer. We've all heard of it, but do we really know what it is? Is it just talking to God? Is there a right and wrong way to pray? Are all prayers the same? We'll touch on these questions and more in this series entitled Prayer. Let's jump in. This is the prayer that has like two names, if you will, a prayer of faith and petition prayer. And we went over the fact that uh, this type of prayer is when you make a petition or a request to God solely for yourself. You cannot pray a prayer of petition for somebody else. So in other words, if you want your children to start acting better in school or you know, or you are married and you want your mate to be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit or you want them to do some things different, this is not the prayer <laughs> that you would use, okay? And we looked at Mark 11, 23 through 25, and I'm not going to, well, I always do this for the sake of people on Periscope, especially because I don't know if they were here last time. So I'm going to read Mark 11:23 to 25 to you out of the, I'll read it out of the Amplified. So if you want, you can turn there or you can jot it down because we did go over it last time. But reading Mark 11:23 to 25 out of the Amplified, it says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart in God's unlimited power, but believes that what he says is going to take place, it will be done for him in accordance with God's will. For this reason, I am telling you, whatever things you ask for in prayer, in accordance with God's will, believe with confident trust that you have received them and they will be given to you. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, drop the issue, let it go, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions and wrongdoings against him and others. Now, notice in these verses of scripture, Verse 24 is really the main qualification. That is the verse that said, for this reason I'm telling you, whatever things you ask for in prayer, in accordance with God's will. So obviously if you're asking for it in prayer, it's got to be in line with the word of God, okay? Because that is his will. Um, and if you believe with confident trust that you have received them, they will be given to you. Or in other words, you will have them. Um, Note that throughout any translation you read, because the last time we were together, I read four to you. So it doesn't matter which one you read, all of them are going to have the word you involved, because this is a prayer, again, like I said, that involves specifically you. It's also considered the prayer of faith. Why? Because it's directly linked to our faith. Okay, your belief system is the driver in this instance. Your physical senses are totally, completely out of play. Also note that in Mark 11:24, it specifically stated, believe that you receive what you pray for. The reason that's so important to me is because we use the term faith loosely. Even as Christians, we use that term loosely. And we don't always recognize that it is directly linked to what we are believing. I'll give you a perfect example. There was a pastor, and I don't, it doesn't matter who it is, but I learned this from him, and I really, really appreciated it. 
because he was someone who had been physically attacked. And he had received the manifestation of his healing, and oh, everything was great, but he got attacked again. And when he was attacked the second time, it seemed like it was taking him a very long time to receive the manifestation of his healing. And this is a big time pastor, and if I called his name, you'd know him right off the bat. And he just started questioning himself as to trying to figure out why was this happening. And then it hit him. The reason why was because even though he had prayed the prayer of faith and he was making all of his confessions, his belief system was what was just a little bit off. Here's why. He was believing God for the manifestation of his healing, but he was also getting on the computer where the computer was telling him all the different symptoms of what he had, and maybe if you do this, that'll work, which means if you now are doing that, you're not 100% sold out that you've received your healing. If you were, you wouldn't be getting on the computer trying to figure out how you could do this, that, or the other thing. Now, to me, the reason why that's so important is because we as Christians, sometimes without realizing it, do that, okay, where we have made our petition prayer, our prayer of faith, and we will tell anybody, yes, I am standing in faith. Yes, I believe God, but believe. Let's really tone it, hone in on what does that mean. When you say you believe, if I say to you, here's this bottle of water, okay, you see that it's here. You don't have to believe for it. You can see it. So that whole expression of, our, you know, what is it, I'll believe it when I see it, or yeah, I'll believe it when I see it, that's a bunch of hooey. Because you can see the bottle of water, you don't have to believe for it. Okay, but if I'm sitting up and I tell you that in the bottom of this tissue box, there happens to be a $100 bill, you don't see that. We don't know if it's there or not. So in this particular instance, you would have to believe that what I'm saying to you is so, correct? Because you don't see a $100 bill, do you? Well, when it comes to the things of God, if we are believing him, our faith becomes the evidence that is there. But if you are still pecking around, trying to go this way and that way, and you're checking on this and checking on that, it's almost like you're saying, well, God, you said it, but there should be no but. It should be God said it. That settles it. Regardless of what I see, regardless of what I think, regardless of what anybody tells me, the word says it is this, that means that's what it is. And until you get that way, where you can stand flat-footed and mean it, check your belief system, because it's a little off and it needs some tweaking. So that's why it's so important in Mark 11:24, where it states that you have to believe that you receive it. I really hope I tried to make that a little bit clearer, that you understand what I mean when I say believe. So it doesn't say anything in that verse about your intellect or your understanding or how you may feel when you pray. And we went over this last time, how people feel like if they're crying and sobbing and all the rest of that, that's going to move God. I mean, come on. Think about how silly that sounds. God created you. When he created you, do you think he was, he didn't need you to be, he didn't need to be moved by your sentiment. So for you to try to display it and think that's going to move him is kind of silly and a waste of your time. You just have to believe him. So another thing that a lot of Christians do is they sit up and they try to rationalize how could I possibly be healed if I'm still experiencing pain? 
Or how are you gonna tell me that I have $10,000 worth of bills that I have due on the first of the month that I have to pay and I have $5.50 in my account, okay? See, these are real issues. Nobody really likes to talk about them, but that's why I guess the Lord gave it to me, <laughs> okay? Because the point of the matter is that's very real and that can be gripping and that can keep you up at night if you are not careful. And if you are not sure what you are believing God for and really believing him for, it can actually paralyze you almost. You know, like they have this new thing that's out. Um, it's the mannequin challenge, <laughs> okay? You could almost feel like you are in a mannequin challenge when you are looking at $10,000 worth of bills and you have $5.50. It's like you want to freeze time because you're hoping those bills just go somewhere, okay? But in reality, we have to get to a point where God said that he would meet all of our need according to his riches, not our bank account, okay? So we just have to be totally, completely sold out on it. Um, and we also talked about how the apostle has always shared with us how people will take anything somebody else tells them and run with it. Like you can get a brand new job and they tell you that they're going to pay you $500 a week and you'll go around and tell everybody, oh, I, on Friday I'll pay you, girl, because I'm getting my $500. Like you are so confident in it. And you don't even know if this company is real. You don't know if these people are real. They could go out of business on Thursday night and you get nothing. Okay, but you're so confident because they told you. Yet and still God tells you that he owns the cattle on a thousand hill. The earth and the fullness thereof belong to him, but you have a hard time understanding that. See, we really have to kind of help ourselves out and get past all of that. Amen? Amen. So um, the other thing is we have to realize that the Most High God, we have a covenant relationship with him. And when you get to the point where you know that, and it tells you in the word that whatever it is that you're standing for, whether it's healing, whether it's for finances, whether it's for emotions, whatever it is, that you can trust him because he's not gonna be like anybody else in your life who may have promised you something and then didn't do it. And we all, I don't have to even ask you to raise your hand, Everybody sitting in here, I'm sure you have had someone disappoint you. You have had someone in your life who has told you they were going to do something and they didn't do it. You have had setbacks. You have had things that have made you shake your head where you have just wondered, are you kidding me? How could this happen to me? But you know what? I learned this from Joyce Meyer. <laughs> you have a choice. You can either be pitiful or powerful. Which one do you choose? Well, I don't want to be pitiful. I want to be powerful. And as we're learning on Sunday, and if you all have not been coming, which I think most of you have, make sure you come on Sunday because Minister Scott's been sharing with us exactly what it means to have the power of the Godhead within us. So if you have that, there's no way you can be pitiful. So it's a choice. We really have to make some decisions on why and how we're going to do some of the things that we do. So with that being said, I want you to turn with me to Mark 11, because we're now going to look at verses 25 and 26. And, oh, wow, okay. I'm going to read it to you. Okay, let's, we're going to read it out of the New King James Version first. So this is Mark 11, 25 and 26. Let me know when you're there. Okay, great. So let's look at verse 25, and it says, And whenever you stand praying, 
If you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. If we look at it in the Amplified, it says, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Drop the issue, let it go, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions and wrongdoings against him and others. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your transgressions. And I'm not going to read all of the message to you, but one of the things that I like in the 26th verse of the message is it says, and when you assume the posture of prayer, remember that it's not all asking. If you have anything against someone, forgive. Only then Will your heavenly father be inclined to also wipe your slate clean of sins? Now, we talk about this all the time, even in communion, about how we shouldn't even take communion if we have ought against anybody. What I would like to think of is not just on communion. You need to almost try to do that every day. You know, just kind of like wipe the slate clean. Because when you really stop to think about it, and this is one of those things that I think I'm learning as I get older, because I do believe that old adage that youth is wasted on the young, because when I think of some of the things that I used to just be so concerned about when I was young, and I could give not a care about it now, because I'm learning some things. And one of the things is nothing and no one is worth you having any kind of moments of stress or misgivings against anybody. It is just not worth it. It's not healthy. It's not good. And why would you bother? Why should you? So we need to, I think we should make it a practice, maybe at the end of the day, or the beginning of the day, or figure out what's good for your schedule. And just sit there and just do a little laundry list. And if somebody got on your nerves, deal with it. Don't let it go. Deal with it. If it bothered you, talk to the father about it. Get it straight. Because if you don't, you carry that thing. And you know what? They have, I mean, they're doctors. I don't know if there are any doctors here, but they have made, made it a proven fact that a lot of cancers and a lot of things that manifest in your physical body happen because you're carrying something. Don't, there is nothing, absolutely nothing in this earth realm that is worth you carrying where it is in a negative situation. Just let it go. Just literally let it go so that you can just allow God to just totally just get to a point. I want to get to such a point. Now, this is my own personal thing, and nobody else may feel this way. This is just me. I want to get to a point where God is flowing so much through me that I can walk past someone who's injured and they get healed just because of the power of him. That's my goal. I want that. Now, okay, I might not be there yet, but I'm working on it. Okay, so I really, really encourage you to just, that's what we need to do. So anyway, let me be clear that, let's, okay, we already read that, good. Let me be clear. If you enter into the throne room, and this is real true, so you need to get this. If you enter into the throne room and you're trying to exercise any kind of prayer of faith or a petition prayer, as we know, it's the same thing, and your heart is filled with any kind of unforgiveness against anybody. I don't care if it's the taxi driver that drove you somewhere, the conductor on the train that closed the doors in your face when you know he saw you and you're trying to get on that train, okay? It's not going to work for you. The prayer is just not going to work. You've canceled it out. 
And if you think about that, that will encourage you to do that little laundry list of trying to make sure that you're in good standing with the Lord and you don't have any ought against anybody. Okay, because when I talk, I want the Lord to hear me, and I want him to be happy with me. I want him to, whatever it is that I ask, I expect that he's going to do it, because I am trying to live my life in a way that brings honor and glory to him. So we have to make sure that we don't have any kind of unforgiveness. And it's not just unforgiveness, okay? It's also misgivings, because you may have misgivings. If, you know, again, I'm being authentic. There might be somebody even in your church family that you know that you love them because we were commanded to do that, but you may not really like them, okay? And you may try to avoid them. And you may even go around and not speak to them. Don't think you're going to turn around and then ask the Lord, okay, to help you with your $10,000 worth of bills and you have $5.50 in your account and think that's going to work. Okay, or don't think you're going to ask him to hold that bus for you to get on it when you already have passed sister so-and-so and wouldn't even bother to speak at her. That's not necessarily where you would think of, oh, I need to have, I have unforgiveness. No, but you have misgivings. You have something that's not the love of God. That's a better way to look at it to me. So if you don't have the love of God flowing through you, put a check mark there and fix it so that you don't have anything that is going to keep you from receiving everything from God. Okay, now, we already went over, and I'm not going to go over it, and you already know this. I know you guys already know Hebrews 11.1, um, because every translation of Hebrews 11.1 says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. No matter where you look at it, the word now is always the first word, and that is because now is what? Present tense. So the other thing that we have to keep in mind is that faith is involved in a prayer of faith or a petition prayer because it is the evidence or the proof of what hasn't actually materialized yet, but our faith is what is the proof. In other words, let me see. Say I am believing for something and it's at that elevator door and I'm here, okay? Obviously, I need it in my hand. There's a distance between me and the elevator door. My faith is the bridge between me and what it is that I'm believing for. So the point is, you stand in that faith. You don't ever give up. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if you have the $5.50 and the $10,000 is due on the first and the second comes and the $10,000 didn't manifest. Don't quit. God's not deaf. He heard you. You believe that he's going to do whatever it takes, but you believe that you're going to have it in your hand. And as you continue to do that and you let patience have her perfect work, it's like either the elevator door comes closer or you come closer until the $10,000 is in your hand. That's how you have to look at it. Just never quit. And we're quick to do that. We're quick to get disappointed because it didn't happen when we thought it should happen. Understand, God's working something else out. Amen. And in order for it to manifest, sometimes he's got to work some things out in you. So just go on and be patient and know he heard you and just trust him. So with that being said, we already talked about, so I'm not going to go over it, 
but you already know that you have to know what the promises of God are, because if you don't know what the promises are, then you don't have any confidence in them and you can't stand on something you don't know. I mean, that just makes common sense. Turn with me, though, to 1 John. That's the one all the way in the back. 1 John 5. And we're going to look at verses 14 and 15. Okay. By now, I know you're there, correct? Amen. Praise God. So if we look at it in the New King James Version, it says, now this is the coincidence that we have, the confidence, coincidence, confidence rather, the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. See, that right there to me is almost just enough. Um, I'm going to break that down for you even further, though, because I'm going to jump over and read that same verse out of the Amplified, so there's no way you could get it wrong. It says, this is the remarkable degree of confidence, which we as believers are entitled to have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will, that is consistent with his plan and purpose. So that's what his will is. It's got to be consistent with his plan and purpose. He hears us. And if we know for a fact, as indeed we do, that he hears and listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted to us the requests which we have asked from him. Now, to break it down where it's a little bit easier, I'm going to, because I like the word it uses, in the message it says this. My purpose in writing is simply this, that you who believe in God's son will know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life, the reality and not the illusion, and how bold and free we then become in his presence, freely asking according to his will, sure that he's listening. And if we're confident that he's listening, we know that what we've asked for is as good as ours. So once we know the will of God based on his word and have prayed accordingly, then we should have confidence that he heard us. Therefore, if you do not, you don't have to. Another thing that sometimes people do, and I think they do it because they're confusing it with confessions. They keep praying the same thing over and over and over, and they feel like that's what they're supposed to do. It's not. Once you make the prayer, okay, that's the tool that you use to communicate with God and to give him what? We learn this, permission to be able to operate in the earth realm on our behalf, right? Once we've done that, then we can just make our confession of faith. We don't have to keep praying the same prayer over and over because that's an empty prayer. That's just, you know, you're reciting a bunch of words. That's like a recitation. We learned that too. We're not going to do that. So just understand that once you've prayed the first time, he heard you, he got it. You don't have to do it again. You can just confess that you believe that you've received it. So when you do it, it's as if, meaning when you do this, when you keep praying over and over, it's as if you're slapping God in the face because you think he didn't hear you the first time or you don't think he's capable. of. It's almost like, I'll put it to you this way in, in normal terms, you become a nag. Does anybody know what a nag is? I really, that gets on my nerves. Where, like if you tell me to do something once, I got it. Okay, if I don't, I'll come back and I'll ask for, you know, further clarification. But you don't need to keep asking me every 10 minutes did I do something. That really... Ooh, that's one of those things I have to reach deep 
and realize I love you because it really gets to one of my nerves. You don't have to nag me, so we don't have to nag God. Now I'm going to give you an example, and it's sort of like a formula of how to pray a prayer of faith, also known as a petition prayer. And in this prayer, we're going to believe for a leather Gucci bag. <laughs> now, the people who are here on Tuesdays are laughing because on Tuesday, I believe for a Prada bag. So this is letting me know I'm getting some bags soon, okay? <laughs> but, and I specifically said leather because I want a leather Gucci bag. I already have a, a Gucci bag with a little Gucci thing, and that's cute, but mm, I want the leather one. So I'm being specific, okay? Very specific. So uh, we did this on a Tuesday. So we're going to do this on a Tuesday again because it's easier for me to follow. So say it's Tuesday morning I get up. I've decided I want my leather Gucci bag. So this is how the prayer would go. Heavenly Father, and this is important because we learned this on Sunday and I thought this was so good. We want to be clear. We're not praying to the father of, you know, there are a lot of fathers out there. We are being specific. Our Heavenly Father. Okay. So Heavenly Father. You said in your word, whatever things I desire when I pray, I can have. I desire a new leather Gucci bag in the name of Jesus. I now pray and I believe that I receive it. You said when I pray to believe I receive. I now believe that I receive a brand new leather Gucci bag. And now you said, I shall have it. I thank you, Father. I believe that I now receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. That is the prayer. Okay. Now, Wednesday morning comes, and uh, I don't have the leather Gucci bag yet. <laughs> so this is what I would say. You don't, because you don't have it in your hands. So you would say, Father, meaning Heavenly Father. I just want to remind you and thank you that I believe that I received my leather Gucci bag on yesterday when I prayed. I believe that I have it, and I just want to thank you for it, okay? Thursday comes, all right, so this is th the third day now, and you still don't have it. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you. Notice you're thanking him and praising him. Notice that, because that's key. You don't always just want to go and see how much stuff you can get. You're thanking him, because you appreciate it. You, hey, I just got a brand new leather Gucci bag. I need to be thanking him, okay? So, Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you. I believe that I received my bag on Tuesday. I want to thank you for it. I believe that I have it. I am not going to get it. I believe that I have it by faith. Now, from Friday through Sunday, because I'm not going to bore you with every day, but for the next few days up until Sunday, this is what you would say. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you. I praise and glorify your name. And I want to remind you that I believe that I received my brand new leather Gucci bag last Tuesday. I believe that I have it now, and I thank you for it. Now, on Monday morning, in this scenario, the doorbell rings and a package arrives. You open it to find your brand new leather Gucci bag. No charge. Then you can enter the throne room and say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that I now have my brand new leather Gucci bag as a fact. 
That is the formula for how, the correct formula for a prayer of faith or a petition prayer. Now, it works whether you're believing for a leather Gucci bag, a Prada bag, healing for your body, a new apartment, a vacation, a new job, and the list goes on. It doesn't matter what you're believing him for. Just follow that type of a formula. And as with anything, you start using your faith on little things, okay? I mean, you could be believing God for, uh, it doesn't have to be a leather Gucci bag. It could be a change purse that you want to get for $5.99 from Kmart because it keeps your coins and you're happy with it, okay? Or believe God if you start getting the sniffles, okay, that it's not going to turn into something that's going to make you uncomfortable, that the sniffles will go in Jesus' name. If you're a driver, you believe for parking spaces. We do it all the time. Or believe, and I shared this with you, that the train would be delayed so that you can get on it or you know, whatever. Start with little things, but don't be discouraged. It doesn't have to be some big, giant thing. But whatever you do, make sure you start, because you hear me say this all the time. God does not expect perfection, but he definitely appreciates our progress. So now we're going to go on to prayer number three. And this is the prayer of consecration and or dedication. Now, this is the prayer where you're placing yourself in a position to be used by God. This is also the prayer where you would use the words, if it be your will. Now you use these words because it is an instance where you cannot find God's will concerning this particular situation in scripture. It's, extremely, it's an extremely important prayer because you really are putting yourself in a position to be used by God and you're giving him permission and license to do just that. Now, you are also acknowledging his claim over your life. So that's why this is really a very serious prayer. It's not something you know, that you should even venture into lightly. You're truly surrendering yourself, your life, and all that you are to the Most High God for his utilization. Now, when you think of it, it is truly an awesome privilege. Anytime I even think of the fact that God wants to use me to do anything, it's, I'm like overwhelmed, really, with gratitude. It's, it's just, I mean, I have to move on because I could just go into praise and worship with just the thought that he wants to use me. So this prayer of consecration or dedication. This was also used by Jesus himself. And I'm going to show you. Turn with me to Matthew's gospel, the 26th chapter. And we're going to look at verses 36 through 41. Matthew 26, verses 36 through 41. And let me know when you're there. Okay. Starting with verse 36, it says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Now, what I like about how the New Living Translation explains 
sorrowful and deeply distressed is it breaks it down a little bit further. But you know what? I don't want to confuse you. So let's just stay with New King James first. Um, so he says in verse 38, then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said, Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now I am going to read it to you out of the New Living and you'll see what I mean. Then Jesus went to them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And I always like that because garden, you know, sometimes you think of, I don't know, flowers and gardenias and stuff, but it was an olive grove. So I like it because it explains it a little bit more. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John. We now know who the two sons were because it doesn't tell us in the other translation, okay? And he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. I like that because to know that his soul is crushed with grief to the point of death, is a, it explains a little bit more about exceedingly sorrowful. You know, again, this is why I do the different translations, because it pulls you in just a little bit more. So verse 39, he went a little farther and bowed his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So we know that the cup that he said in the first one, to let this cup pass from me, it's an actual cup of suffering, because he knew what was about to happen to him. So with verse 40, then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said, Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watching, pray, so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. When you get the chance, I want you to read this out of the Amplified, because it's a very, very good translation to read the same thing. Um, yeah, just read it out of the Amplified. I'm not gonna, because I wanna move, I wanna move forward. So I want you to read it when you get a chance. However, in what we read, verse 39 is key. Notice how even the disciples could not stay awake and watch for even an hour. And for some of us, like I know, for instance, when it comes to praying in the Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking with other tongues. If I were to ask you guys to pray in the spirit for an hour, some of you would look at me like you must be out of your thoughts, okay? Because you would be exhausted. Some of you really wouldn't be able to do it. And there's nothing wrong with you. It's just that the point is we have to get to a point of being diligent, of disciplining ourselves. But th there's an interesting thing I find. When you're praying with the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's a power source. And sometimes the reason why you could almost be spent, exhausted at the end of it, is because that's the power of God flowing through you just that strongly. So the point is, you want to get to a point where you can pray in the spirit until you get a release. So that's something that 
I'm gonna encourage you, if you've never done that, to just do that. You may find that you could pray for hours, but I guarantee you one thing, whatever it is you're praying about, if you pray until you get a release, your answer is right there. You won't have to wait long. You will not have to wait long. So that might be something that you definitely, definitely want to do. So with that being said, moving right along. Oh, yeah. Because the other thing that we sometimes always think is that Jesus, you know, we think sometimes that he prayed this prayer before going to the cross. Now, in his case, his very life was really on the line. When he was talking about, could you please remove this cup? It's like, Lord, if you can figure out a way to save mankind and I don't have to go to the cross, I don't have to go through this, I don't have to have them beat on me and do what they're going to do. If you could do that, please, because I don't really want to do this. But he still wanted the will of the Father to be done more than his own. And additionally, for the first time ever, he was going to be separated from his Father, the Most High God. And he had never experienced that before. And he didn't want to experience that. So, of course, Jesus didn't want to endure that separation, but he chose to do it. He chose obedience even to death. Jesus knew what was at stake. He was to become the Lamb of God and take away the sin of the world and to take away our sins upon himself and pay the ransom for us with his very, very life. And we must not forget that even though Jesus was the Son of God, he also was a man with desires. And his desire was to come up with another way of doing this thing <laughs> instead of being nailed to the cross. I mean, think about it to be nailed. Oh, he didn't want that. However, again, he put his own desires to the side to do the will of his father. How often do we put our own desires to the side to fulfill the will of our father? I would suggest to you nowhere near as much as we should. We start giving excuses of why I don't feel like going to church on a Thursday night. There's stuff coming on TV. I got to go to work on Friday morning. I'm supposed to go on a Thursday night? Are they kidding me? And they want me to come on Sunday too? Oh, but if the father wanted you to do it, would you do it? Hmm. It's one of those things that you have to think about. So it is crucial that we understand, this is very crucial, that when we use this type of prayer of dedication and or consecration, how we do it. Please do not ever make the mistake of adding to a petition prayer or a prayer of faith, prayer number two that we talked about, if it be your will. Don't ever make that mistake because when you are praying that way, you're praying in doubt. And we already know that doubt will cancel out any prayer that you actually pray. In other words, if you are <laughs> praying to pay, I don't know why, Con Ed should give me something, because Con Ed always comes up in my messages. So if you are praying for a Con Ed bill that you have to pay, <laughs> and I don't even have Con Ed, so that's why I think it's almost funny. But anyway, um, and then you add at the end of the prayer, if it be your will, okay, just plan on your lights going out, because uh, that prayer is not going to be answered. Um, besides, look at, let's look at Philippians 4. And you guys already know this scripture too, but I just want to look at it to refresh your memory. Philippians 4.19, I know, everybody already knows this. Um, and it says, and my God shall supply all your need, need, not needs, but need. That's more powerful than needs, because needs, there's a number 
to me. It's like a laundry list, whereas need means everything. So I like that better. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The amplified version of the same thing says, and my God shall liberally supply, fill until full, your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus, which is just wonderful. So God's will is clearly stated. So you already know to just make your request known. You're already in Philippians 4. Look at the sixth verse. And the sixth verse, I like this because sometimes we make our requests known, but then we have to keep fighting our flesh because it keeps trying to remind us of whatever it is that we're believing him for to, to kind of try to make that doubt come up to the, to the forefront. And just look at verse 6. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And I love the Amplified, for it says, do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific request known to God. So hopefully you are clear at this point as to why, if it be your will, should only be used in a prayer of consecration and or dedication. Okay? Good. This now brings us to prayer number four, which is the prayer of praise and worship. This is perhaps one of the simplest forms of prayer, and yet one of the most effective. It is simply a prayer between you and the Heavenly Father, where you're telling him how much you appreciate him, how much you love him, how much you adore him, and how much you thank him for all that he continually does for you. It's you writing your own personal love letter to the Most High God. And you're showing him how you do not take your myriad of blessings for granted. You see, we're now entering into this wonderful holiday, Christmas, however you want to term it, season. And it's not always joyous for a lot of people. There, and I mean even Christian people. Some Christian people have a challenging time during this time of the year. And again, I'm authentic, so I bring it all out. <laughs> okay, because some people, you know, you may be sitting, and well, most of us are maybe a little bit more mature, so we don't have a whole lot of little kids. Okay, but I remember the time when I had five little children, okay? And well, it never really stressed me out because I never told them all that silliness about Santa Claus. They knew whatever you're getting, your father and I are out here working for it, okay? So we never had to deal with that. But still, you know, you want to be a blessing to them and you want to be a blessing to other people. And, you know, your faith is still like I gave you the example of here in the elevator and, you know, but sometimes it may not arrive by <laughs> December 25th when you want to celebrate that particular day. And... For us now, we've grown. But I'm talking about as baby Christians, you know, you can 
it can get to you. And for some Christians, there's just a lot of things going on. You know, there are a lot of things, you know, they have lost loved ones. There are just a lot of things where this is not always the most wonderful, joyous season for them. Well, we need to intercede for them, of course. And then even for ourselves, one of the things that I really want us to concentrate on doing, and it comes right in here under this, pray, this prayer of praise and worship, is don't always think about what you don't have and what you still are believing for, but just enter into thanking him for what you do have. Amen. The fact that you can even form your mouth to pray Amen. is something to thank him for. The fact that you know that you're not going to be sleeping on the street tonight, but you have somewhere to lay your head, thank him for that. No, you may not have every dime that you want in your hand yet. Notice I said yet, because we're still believing for it. But you do have enough to get you here. There are many people, and I'm not talking about people that don't even know about Jesus, but now that's another thing. We have our salvation. We know who we are in Christ. There are people who've never, ever heard anything about the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. They don't even know that he wants them to be saved, that he wants to love them. We have that. We are extremely rich. We have a lot to be thankful for, a lot to be grateful for, and we need to spend some time with the Heavenly Father sharing that with him, telling him how much we appreciate it, not always looking for what's in his hand, but seeking his face and letting him know how much we love him. And when we do that, oh, it's a wonderful thing. You, and that's why I said, when I talked about this, it's one of the most effective forms of prayer. Because think about it. Aren't you blessed when somebody tells you how much they care about you? Well, don't you think he wants to hear that too? He created us to fellowship with him, not to just tell him about how much stuff we want. And I guess I'm gonna have to stop because my time is up. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 9.45 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening. And remember, walk by faith, not by sight.